Well, hi, I'm Dave Swordlick from Uptown Podcast Studios and Story Cub Video Picture Books. But more importantly, I'm a proud member of Ed North, an EdTech meetup group located in the cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. No matter where you are, you should go to ednorth.org because there's great free online events going on right now and would love to have you join so head on over to ednorth.org today's subject very interesting plagiarism in the edtech sector uh now when i first heard plagiarism i thought of music because i write theme music all the time for uh for podcasts and for other things so i'm constantly writing uh writing songs and stuff and actually the theme song for the ed north ed tech podcast is i plagiarized myself uh i just removed the vocals uh so at the end of this podcast you'll hear the song in its entirety uh in demo uh rough demo form just fyi uh but you will hear uh the lyrics and everything else uh it's actually a whole song uh and i thought hey remove the vocals and use it uh so i'm gonna sue myself all right so on that note our guest is eric gibbs and he's talking plagiarism it's the ed north ed tech podcast things i would say everything's going well as far as uh, things are starting to open back up we're starting to get back to what i hope is normalcy for everyone both in the education community but more specifically for everyone in the general economy so you're president of original however it's spelled our original i'm excited i like that o-u-r-i-g-i-n-a-l is that correct? That is correct. O-U-R-I-G-I-N-A-L. It's a play on being original in regards to uh, specifically plagiarism. So plagiarism, I think of... Dave, we could start listing out everyone from Bob Dylan to numerous authors, students, researchers. I think uh, originality is something that everybody deals with and is challenged with. So it's not just politicians. It's not instructors. It's not academics. It's a moral compass that I think we all have to refine. So it's something that constantly is of reinforcement, whether it's in academics, politics, or in our general conversations today. Well, uh, one thing, you shouldn't have started out with Bob Dylan because he's from Minnesota. (laughs) I'm just saying that. So what you're talking about and your company, correct me if I'm wrong, students have to do papers. They have to turn them in. Is this what your company is involved in? Making sure that students, what supposedly they have uh, written uh, by themselves maybe a little cheating there yeah i think i mean dave you're you're on to something here um, i think over the years certainly the market could being ed tech has really perceived the tools and the utility of services like an original for specifically plagiarism i think what you're starting to 
look at is trying to have an authorship recognition or starting to morph into more than just academic integrity. We're starting to look at having individuals, whether it's, as I said, a student, a researcher, potentially a parent, or even something that we'll hopefully address a little bit later, contract cheating, having individuals with high stakes assessment, have other individuals maybe write their essay, a personal statement to assist them unfairly and to get them into a specific maybe job uh, in the corporate space or more specifically into a higher education uh, seat that potentially should not be theirs. So let me ask you this. Uh, If someone came up to you and said, Eric, what's original? How would you answer that? Absolutely. So original is a set of online academic tools and services that are really utilized by secondary, post-secondary corporations to really assist originality. The word original comes from so originality and this authenticity in written work. What I would say is most of our users, whether they're students, instructors, researchers, etc., access these tools through online learning management systems, or you might know them more as LMSs, that are utilized by school districts, colleges, or employers, or corporations. So these types of tools really kind of harness this whole idea of academic integrity. And the company, while it's just been launched in September of last year, our lineage has been over 20 years in the Nordics in Stockholm, Sweden. So we formerly were known by our name Erkin hmm. and really kind of market leaders in the Nordics in Europe. We really have this rich lineage of being able to support education institution corporations and really supporting their institutional effectiveness and academic integrity initiatives. So there's a lot of cheaters in Sweden. (laughs) Is that how it started? It comes out of Sweden. So uh, I'm just saying. Dave, I don't think we'll get our neighbors to the north just yet. I think this is something that we see globally. It really is. I think technology and the digital, what, what I call the digital sharing economy, has really kind of exposed what we're starting to see today, especially post pandemic. I think if we think about going back Uh, Certainly when I was in college, you think about the file folders in fraternities and sororities, or even the cheat sheets that you might had in your secondary schools. It's always been an issue. It's just now there are efficiency tools that really deter. Think of these as determined to really bolster the quality of education and give these institutions the effectiveness tools that they're needed. Let's say a college is out. They're in search of a new president for their university. Uh, would, you, would you and could you and how do you play a role in, uh, ver- I, I think it's verifying the information to be correct. Am I wrong there? Ultimately, the tech similarity detection process and now some of the new functionality that we have, which is kind of this authorship recognition components or functionality, it really does analyze kind of the the text that is submitted or if you're looking at research, for example, if we were looking at the research for a PhD candidate or this president, if we're using that example, that artifact that has been written, and if this is a personal statement by that president, hopefully that president artifact that they was submitted. Because what we are going to do is we're going to take that written artifact 
and then compare that to 20 years of archived internet resources. We're going to go out and look against scholarly journals and academic publications, and then a vast amount of previously submitted materials over the last 20 years. Again, since we're not a plagiarism detection tool, what we are providing is that analysis report to the individual stakeholder that's evaluating this individual to make a comparison of, is this an original artifact that was submitted, or do we potentially have uh, some type of conversation that we have to make, uh, given that either it was not cited correctly or we potentially have a plagiarized work? So uh, what's the technology behind this? Are we speaking AI? Uh, there, it, the majority is machine learning. The, where you get into the artificial intelligence is when we start talking about this authorship recognition component or being able to do some stylometry analysis. Um, and this is a new component that we start to uh, roll out earlier this year. Um, and this is what we deem kind of uh, our termed uh, original metrics. This is really that authorship recognition that's comparing uh, the analysis of previous submissions or artifacts from a student or a learner. And what we started to hear from many institutions and many instructors is this idea of contract cheating. I'm going to pause here just a second, Dave, just to define for your listeners kind of what contract cheating is. Absolutely. Yeah. Contract cheating has been around since 2006, when Dr. Thomas Lancaster coined the phrase from his research with his colleague from uh, Imperial College, Robert Clark, is describing the process with which original work produced from them, um, but they then they submitted as their own work. So uh, most of the time, it involves the payment of, you know, to a company, uh, to an individual or an auction site, passing it off as their own. And so what we started to see is a tremendous amount of artifacts or other individuals contract cheating, a ghost writing, or utilizing services that was not their own. And so in using basic AI or machine learning or what we utilize is this stylometry or partnering with other partners, being able to use this technology then can compare previous submissions and then provide that tool to the instructor, to the institution to really then allow that quality control for that degree or for that grade or assessment that's being evaluated by that instructor. So it's something that we find concerning. You know you have an issue when the Better Business Bureau, even earlier this month, is issuing a scam alert to colleges and high schools, um, basically saying they realize this is an issue, but these contract cheating sites are basically coming back and actually holding students to extort money from them from the, the document or writing sample or assignment that they've actually just procured. Wow makes me think of uh, going back through this past school year with students working remotely in front of a computer on Google, have to write a paper. It's pretty tough to, I mean, you can absolutely research, right? There's Wikipedia and things like that, but you have to make, also have to make it your own. And of course, you need to reference your sources. Are you finding that you can Google all of a sudden, like, wow, that's this, that matches exactly what we're seeing in some particular instance. 
Yeah, there, there's a couple of things here. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. And there's a couple of things I'd like to unpack here. I empathize with many students from the global pandemic. I think that when we talk about students having to be forced to go online, there's a choice prior to the global pandemic that students made. Um, that choice that they made was, do I take a traditional face-to-face -face course or do I take an online course? What we saw a year ago, and even still today in some of these hybrid courses, those students did not get a choice. <laughs> they were forced online into a modality that maybe was not suitable for them. So I empathize with what happened. But I also then have to say that we know uh, given a fact from a, uh, what we'll call the McCabe study from Dr. Donald McCabe, who helped found the International Center for Academic Integrity, and where I would recommend all of your listeners really kind of focus in on all any all research and anything that you need to actually kind of reference any type of academic integrity from a study that was conducted in fall of 2002 and continued on in, in spring of 2015 roughly 20% of all users, whether it was graduate students or undergraduate, and the sample size that we're utilizing here is not insignificant. So roughly 20,000 surveys of students, they're self-selecting these surveys, 20% admitted to cheating on tests, 40% admitted to cheating on written assignments, and then 43% of total percentage admitted to cheating on the written or the test. So it doesn't matter if you're a graduate student, an undergraduate, a high school student, we are seeing a tremendous amount of what I would say moral and ethically challenging uh, issues that we're having to overcome. Then you throw on specifically the, uh, an online environment where you're not having the coachable and the reliance of teachers and professors that really care about students. You start seeing that those 20% of students that are going to cheat anytime, 20% that are never going to cheat. So what is it that we really need to focus in on? It says 60% that we need to put the guardrails up to really keep away this digital sharing economy that we're currently seeing the trend of. I think, you know, it goes beyond just original, uh, you know, original is not going to be this, you know, the, the, the silver bullet it technology is not going to solve the issues. This goes far beyond. And this is where, you know, I think that um, myself and most of the individuals that are passionate about education, um, you typically don't hear this from most companies and salespeople. Um, it, it's, it's good course design, right? So you tailor technology that's the efficiency component with good course design. You tailor that with the compassion and empathy that we need to expose this. You have the open conversation of what is this digital sharing economy that really is these files sharing uh, websites out there that's utilizing all of these instructors intellectual property that's utilizing the institutions so institutions like western governors that you know is is owned their content that's utilizing this for cheat sites and so what we're seeing is a huge uptick in you know again trying to protect that 60 percent of students that really need the the guardrails to keep that moral compass in front of them. Um, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Original is that component, that efficiency component that can plug into the learning management system. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's going to take, you know, a three-pronged approach. It's the instructors, it's the full disclosure of what's going on in, in, 
in the uh, the global economy on, on the websites, you know, um, and then it's it's the good course design. And unfortunately, it's that good course design that's the hardest part of this whole puzzle. When we partner with a, a school district, um, with a district school board in, in Canada or with a higher education institution, you know, our value that we bring to our, our clients, uh, we're cost effective, we're award winning. Um, we have probably the most uh, highest reliability of service. And, the, and the, the fourth pillar that we we kind of hang our hat on is is really data privacy. Um, I, I think that we, we being a, a European uh, corporation, our GDPR compliance really takes first and foremost the student's privacy as well as the institution's data privacy. So that kind of tailored with this idea that you own your content, uh, we are we are going to provide you as the institution with the ability to kind of quality control and, and have this effectiveness tool um, kind of puts the onus on the student to start looking at more uh, original content. Um, and in doing so, I think what we see in our database is we start seeing kind of instead of students submitting, and this is at an institution or a, a school district that's really never used a, uh, an academic integrity tool, um, what we start to see is instead of students submitting the, their, their assignment five minutes before the deadline, we start seeing more, they, they might do that the first time, but they start back ending that prior to that, that submission, so then they can see the similarity report. They can know exactly what, what their citations to know if they properly cited it. So it starts kind of changing student behavior because student behavior, as we all know, is very, very, uh, very, very predictable. Um, and it's not just students. It could be instructors, researchers alike, even parents, corporations. So if we can impact that or if we can actually unpack that and then make that deterrent and inform how students actually utilize the tool, I think that really is a win-win for both the institution and learner. So are you encouraging educators to let their students know about your company and about making it original? Yeah, we, we have a great relationship with our partners. We have various learning management systems that we work with, uh, Blackboard, uh, Canvas, Brightspace, Moodle. Uh, we also have cooperatives. So E&I cooperative services. So if you're working with a cooperative, again, our end goal is to be a cost-effective solution because we all know that budgets never go up. <laughs> They're always going down. And so our goal is to really partner with those institutions. Our main focus is academic integrity, really to be able to partner with those institutions and to partner with states. We have a direct sales staff that we're working with. We're working with partners. The main thing that we're looking at is for a long-term relationship that's going to be core and built upon kind of that, that core disclosure of reliable service and working with that institution to not only just turn the key to protect their academic integrity, but the training and services to really engage in that conversation conversation of not just plagiarism detection. We know that it's not a plagiarism detection tool, but engage in that conversation of what is good course design. While we might not be able to inform that, we can at least engage with the instructional design teams, uh, with the Center for Teaching and Learning, et cetera. So it's a multi kind of uh, tenant uh, type of conversation that we're having with each of our uh, institutional partners. 
That sounds great and unique to me in the way that you run this business. So it started 30 years ago, but what what I'd like to do, Eric, real quick, is you seem to be a, a bit of an entrepreneur. You were on the Missouri State University Advisory Board. Previous to that, Urkund, you were president? That is correct. Yes, it was U-R-K-U-N-D was the Swedish company prior to becoming original. Okay. And then yeah, you were director of business development at Turn It In. I love the name, Turn It In. Is this talking to students? A- absolutely. So Turn It In actually is in the plagiarism prevention space as well. It's a very similar story to uh, to Erkund, the market leader in the North American market. Certainly Erkund and Plague Scan, which merged to become original. They kind of were the, the Nordic and European leader. So I actually was with uh, Turnitin and the business development side from 2009 to 2015. And Dave, kind of where my kind of my background, you talking about our, uh, kind of the entrepreneurial side, um, I really got my start in the ed tech space uh, with a company called Aplia. And Aplia was a, uh, a startup in the Bay Area uh, led by Stanford economist and now Nobel laureate Paul Romer. The opportunity with Apple really started enabling me to meet what became my mentor, Sally Elliott, and provided me a successful kind of 14-year working mm-hmm. relationship through Thompson Learning, what became Cengage, and then turn it in. So I look back and all of the experience within her guidance has enabled me to assist and kind of launching original into the North American LATAM region really was that foundation of her mentoring uh, that I look back and that's the success I appreciate most today. That's really nice to to give props to people like that. Very well said. I, I think that's great. So Eric, we've got a few minutes left and I'm thinking original, where do you see the future? Where Where's original heading? Yeah, you know, Dave, I think for us, we really want to stay in our lane with the academic integrity space. I think what you see is there's a need, certainly, with the movement to online. I, I think now more than ever, that moral compass that I mentioned um, and being able to vet the content that students, learners, even corporations are, are submitting, there's more of a demand now than there ever has been. So it's one of those things, if you're an award-winning tool, if you're seeing a tremendous amount due to, again, being cost effective, uh, the reliability of service. And again, as I think as you start to see more data privacy become the norm here in, in North America, I think we're positioned well to really start kind of moving into the into a market leader here in North America. And then the growth, I think what you will see in LATAM as individuals start moving more on the, the online learning side, poise as well. I think there is a way to kind of fine tune this authorship recognition component. But I think for us, we're extremely excited what the future holds. The market is extremely been open to us over the last year and a half. And uh, the business has been extremely good. So I think there's been some extremely openness to the tool and we're extremely appreciative of the business. You know, you mentioned award winning and I uh, remember seeing that you were voted, I think, 
uh, one of the top uh, ed tech companies for 2020? That's correct. Uh, for both distance learning and remote learning um, and student engagement. Also, I think I'd point out in 2020, uh, there was an independent uh, study uh, done by the European Network for Academic Integrity that found both Erkin and PlagScan. So that was prior to the launch of Original as most effective as far as usability in the, the expertise of the plagiarism prevention tools. So that's one of those studies that we were extremely excited to be able to be highlighted on in that February 2020 study. So, Eric, in the education space, what grade of a student would be like the lowest? I mean, you're not going to use original in kindergarten, I don't think. Where does that perhaps begin uh, where a school would introduce something like this? Yeah, I think the typically what we see is our user base comes from that grades 9 through 12. Uh, we do have some usage in grades 7, 8, so that middle school to high school level. The majority of our usage, of course, is in higher education, uh, but we see quite a bit, as you can imagine, as students start more writing intensive courses, there is the need for this validation of originality in any written work. So typically you see the grades 9 through 12 and then on into higher education. All right. Eric, uh, Eric Gibbs of Original, and I will spell that our, ij, no, O-U-R-I-G-I-N-A. L. Uh, Eric, uh, thanks for joining us on the Ed North EdTech podcast. If someone would like to reach out to you, what would be the best way? Absolutely, uh, Dave. So original.com, that's O-U-R-I-G-I-N-A-L.com or any of our social networks at original underscore O. Um, and again, thank you, Dave. And more importantly, thank you to your listeners at Ed North for spending the time with us. Hey, it's our pleasure. And I'm glad this wasn't around when I was in college. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Eric Gibbs from Original uh, in St. Louis. Again, thanks again for being with us on the Ed North EdTech Podcast.
check it.